<laughs> Rick's got the harmonica out. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Train whistle. Jesus. We used to have a train whistle. I think I might still have it. I want to. I want to start this show by addressing our audience to say that it is with a bit of a lump and a tear that I have to tell you that unlike last week's penultimate final show, this is in fact the ultimate Acme show of season one. Meaning the last one before we take a break, retool, and return with fresh energy for season two. It's been a work in progress and we thank you, the listener, for sticking with us, eavesdropping, writing, and commenting as we've meandered through the outback of the writing world, lost more often than found. We've certainly enjoyed ourselves in case it's not obvious and hope you have too. But in the meantime, once more, with feeling. From Acme Broadcast Headquarters in Venice Beach, California, the Acme Writing Academy is on the air. This is Rick Prisman along with Mike Magnuson, Marcello Vasquez, Bob Clark, and Jim Frank welcoming you to another hour or so of literary mayhem. Where today's word of the day is... Well, before we go there... <laughs> Since this is the end of the season, I'd like to reach into the Acme mailbag and pull out some comments our listeners have been kind enough to send along. First, we have... Reaching into the mailbag. We have Rob, Robin Mink, a musician and jewelry designer from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, wrote to say how much she loves the show and particularly enjoyed the joke about the sound of one hand slapping. <laughs> and next we have Deborah Holland, a singer-songwriter from Vancouver, Canada, who writes that she would like the shows to be longer, like a real podcast. <laughs> well, 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 Deborah, you'll we, notice we we've that. taken that advice, and tonight may well set a new record. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Saunders, a poet and hockey mom, chimed in from Switzerland with yet another story about how a man was discovered frozen in a glacier. I'm starting to think that wasn't such a special story to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Ahuva Rogers, who is a mother and short story writer from Detroit, Michigan, wrote to say how much she enjoys the shows that discuss writing craft in some way. It's, All right, the D. Actually, I, I can't decide if that's something we never do or if it's yeah, what we're doing all the time. Right. Maybe she's just saying she didn't like any of them because we didn't <laughs> well, one goddamn thing the entire well, time. In any case, Ahuva, stay tuned because this show is for you. Why? <laughs> because the Acme word for the day is advice. It's <laughs> <laughs> in advice for writers. It's about time, right? After a whole season of just farting around, mm -hmm. yeah, gonna you know help these people out. Well, well let, let's get this old saw out of the way right away. Here's my first piece of advice: don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> we got that one out of the way. Now we can move forward. I don't have one. I live with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> get out of the basement. Get out of the <laughs> What do you think this is? Vietnam? I'm <laughs> sure she loves everything you write. <laughs> yeah. So thank you all for joining us. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, I don't know. Marcello needs to drink more Fernet. That's my advice for Marcello. Oh man, I couldn't I couldn't bring it across the border. <laughs> they got Fernet over here. Seriously, you can't. Uh, they sell know. it at the liquor store. Mm. Yeah, but that's the real Fernet. It's the Italian one. The, the one they make in Argentina has like a different terroir. Advice for it. Use words like terroir. There's some good. That's that's why they won't let it on the plane because you'd be a terroirist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you taste the real plata in it? No, yeah, the sewage. <laughs> I think there is a, a superhero in Argentina called Capitan Sewage. <laughs> Captain Sewer? <laughs> Captain Sewer. <laughs> he, his, does he have a manhole? 
Oh, no. <laughs> Superman. Oh, <my> <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Superman hole. Uh, uh, are you listening? It may not get any better than this. They're all gone. <laughs> Everyone's left, man. Just whoever you are in yeah. North Dakota, just stay with us. Because <laughs> we're going to start talking about hockey or something pretty soon. I, I was confused about this when you first sent it around. I thought this was going to be like... Well, I guess what we want to do is give advice for writing, right? For how to write better. But I actually thought it was advice for writers. I think meaning, it is. Meaning, like, can it be both? Meaning, you know, like, like, what do you do? You, if you're a writer, what, what kind of advice do you need? Like, if you're going to give a reading, do you wear a, wear a scarf around your neck or something? <laughs> I, I say, if you're fortunate enough to get a reading get invited to do a reading wear anything you damn well please well i have to i have to say it's not going to happen all that often i have to say bob that the internet does not agree (laughs) (laughs) i I found a site no seriously i didn't do i didn't know about this so i was researching it i found this site called wikihow where I expected to see Hopi sand paintings, but instead it's like how you, how you do things. Right. And very academic, of yes, course. Yes, it is very academic. And believe it or not, they have advice for writers. And I'm going to share a couple of these with you because I think this is often overlooked. Do you think it's all on the page? No, sometimes it's on your face. So tip number one, wear glasses. Writers tend to read a lot, and people who read a lot tend to wear glasses. <laughs> Round rimmed, big black and squared, thin tortoiseshells ones. Whatever you find to your liking. Wow. I think you should take them off and like hold them while you're reading. See, well, you I know like what? That. I like every that. one of us. I'm not wearing my glasses right now, but every fucking one of us wears glasses. So there we go, writer. There we go. See, yeah. there we go. Hell yeah, we got it. Okay, that's it. Well, let's move on to number two. Always <laughs> number two. Always smell of something slightly nostalgic. Oh, Jesus. Choose... <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. to get that funk out. He's choose gonna... choose <laughs> older scents from the 1930s punk. or use lotion that smells like pies. Have a very distinctive scent, though, that makes people have no choice but to remember you. Like Gorgonzola. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I agree. I, I think maybe writers, you know, want to smell less of each other. <laughs> That's why we do this online, right? There is a little yeah. bit of sniffing that goes on before a reading, though. Yeah, or well, like with dogs. Oh, I thought like it's back in the day. Back yeah, in the day, and then Bobson <laughs> came out and did a reading of my my new poem. <laughs> and then they read it I too know, fast. Beautiful, I see it. I like it. <sighs> okay, well, so now we have number three, which is. Have some sort of accessory, e.g. headphones or earbuds, a book, always, a recycled notepad, unusual pen. Always carry some sort of bag, whether your style is a huge yellow messenger bag or a vintage Chanel purse. Wow. I'll th- go for the purse. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Which, which of course, it leads us to number four, which is be classy and elegant. Try to achieve a timeless and elegant look when out and about. At home oh, or at the man. retreat, you can wear yoga pants to your heart's content. What the fuck are yoga pants? Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. You spent too much time. Don't they chill. have yoga pants in Argentina? No. What do you do, yoga in your jeans? They don't do <laughs> yoga in Argentina. That's the thing. No, they're called tights. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so wear your tights. Fine. <laughs> Some people should not be wearing them. Wow. <laughs> That's me included. You know that WikiHow thing though that 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 that's really funny, you know. And like I, I'm not sure if they're just dinking around or not. It's, well, it's there's there's say. two more. There and this is for the art there's a special category for the artistic writer. Oh god. Oh. The first oh, of which is wear oh wear mysterious arty things. Like you've <laughs> just thrown something on. Wear things like blazers, long scarves, enormous dark sunglasses, dark denim, gray and navy, baggy tops with wide belts, striped things. The whole romantic gothic look works. Make sure it's flattering. But here's the the thing. I screwed myself because I Googled all this, right? And now all around this list 
I have pictures of Malcolm Gladwell <laughs> and his, you know, 10,000 hours for how to be a successful writer. And I'm looking at him and he's, here he is in a little like a gray blazer with a scarf around his neck and, and very trendy, clear rim glasses. And, and his hair is, is tufted up a little bit. So you can tell, well, this guy isn't, doesn't have a day job because, you know, you can't look like that in a day job. So he looks artistic. <laughs> But you know, there's one more, and this this one is for Magnuson in particular. Be a role model, or at least have personality to back up what you lack in shining qualities. <laughs> Everyone wants to look up to a writer. There are those people you admire for their style, charisma, attitude, and ability. Oh my God. Shots fired. I'm looking for a day job tomorrow. <laughs> you know that's just so funny man like like uh, think about the writers you've known well, there's some who are like that hey certainly yes you know i think like the most writers oh, i know who do it like all day long no man just hanging around in your pajamas all day long <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. it's like oh, like students man. taking an online class yeah man there they are jammies not yeah. wearing pants maybe yeah maybe not even that I try you not got, to. You got to be comfortable if you're going to put in the hours, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know that contributes to that nostalgic smell too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I can't wrap my head around. I don't know. That's so funny. You know, I, I you know, I, I used to remember this about about music, I guess, instead of not so much about writer writing, you know, but like people really like when the punk scene hit our area. Mm. They really like like the replacements and stuff because they were so fucked up they could hardly play their shows and you know what I mean that kind of thing like yeah. so like it was part of like man they're great musicians because they're playing the part you know it's so like, like my bar know. band what is the part of a writer I don't know there's a bunch of loners loser asses like to write sentences <laughs> yeah bookworm nerds from live long around libraries when they were kids you know who are they how how could these people possibly be cool that's what i don't understand when i was looking at pictures that friends were posting about awp last week they all looked pretty normal didn't they right well they they look like upper middle class white people is what they look like yeah there's a lot of white folks there. yeah and then with yeah. mine you know i mean and you know i i love it you know we're going next year acme's going right AWP. But you know, man, think of what it costs to fly all the way across the country. Like I know a bunch of people from Portland who flew. It was Portland to Tampa. How That's much is that flight going to cost you? A lot. Right? Plus you stay at the conference hotel, you know, at least 200 bucks a night. You know, yeah. you're there for four nights. And then, you know, it's not like, you know, you're you're going over to Trader Joe's and buying all your vittles and just eating them in your room now, are you? And then three right. and two That's a good idea. Right. You know, instead, <laughs> you're going to these downtown places. You know what I mean? You spend three, four thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. Plus, you cheap. buy books and God only knows what else, you know? Not oh, for man. poor people, that. But, I mean, I mean, that's okay. That's that's the scene, you know? What are you going to do? But it's, you know, but, so that's putting a serious thing on something that should be. Isn't it in Portland next year? Yep. Oh, that's why we're going, because Portland's groovy. Yeah, the food, too. Right. Although we can't take Mar Marcello to any taco places because I keep failing with that. <laughs> he hates tacos. I keep taking him to tacos. He's like, God damn it. I want a steak. <laughs> <laughs> I like tacos. I'm gluten free. They're, they're gluten free. No, he, he takes me to these taco places and there are no flies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the one thing I learned when I was in Bolivia, don't ask me. <laughs> They said you buy the chicken that has flies because that's fresh. This is <laughs> that's wonderful. So I'm sitting there going, "Where the <laughs> fuck flies? I want this shit." Right. So is that how you can tell if you have a good manuscript or the flies are on it? It's fresh, you know. New. Do you remember that Ren and Stimpy? That's a good one. Had I like a that. toothache or something, or Ren had a toothache. And like it was stinking, and like this stinky cloud kind of flew over oh, yeah. the litter box. Oh, I used to love Ren and Stimpy. Mm. Oh. <laughs> There's some advice for you watch more Ren and Stimpy. There you yeah, go. Exactly. Role models. This is a great example of uh, more advice. You know, you got to have fun, right? Right. Right.
Uh, Bob reels us back in. No, but that's really all oh, right. What a buzzkill. No, you <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> what a buzz kill! Yeah, fun. <laughs> Jesus. Hey Rick, hey Rick, start rolling that paper again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're back, man. <laughs> okay, we're back. So, so this is the only reasonable advice we've come up with so far: is that you got to enjoy yourself and think this this is really an amusing thing to do. Hmm. Well, I think Bob points something out, right? I mean, let's use the cliche that the, 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 the devil's in the details. I think the biggest, biggest piece of, well, the most advice that I give my comp students is like, be as specific as possible. Right. And then we do have something, you can always generalize and go back out. Or That's I mean, or, or I remember, I remember writing a scene, someone might've been Magnuson way back. Don't have a character smoking. If you haven't set up that, you know, that he has a pack of cigarettes already up, you know, rolled up in his sleeve or in his shirt pocket. Right, and it's, and it's a big difference between a character that's smoking marble reds than one's you know smoking menthol cool. Oh yeah. So in other words, details and fucking think before you write. Right. Think before you before write. You write. <laughs> think after you write. I know. Write right first, <laughs> think later. <laughs> I'm having a moment of jet lag. <laughs> I came from South America and everything's backwards here. Oh my god! <laughs> if I had to think before I wrote, I'd never write a word. That's that's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that devils in the detail thing. You know, a serious piece of advice I always give my my graduate students is is you know writing is like cooking. That if you cook too much for the dinner party, right, that's fine. There's leftovers. You can send everybody home with a plate. Right. You don't cook enough. Then her party's a drag. You know, everybody gets a radish, a pickle, <laughs> and I don't know, a shot of vodka or something right. bad. And you know? what does that have to do with writing? No, if you write too much, that's fine. You know what I mean? And the, like you talk devils in the details. If you write a lot, if you make it rich, you describe everything too much, that's fine. You can cut it back. But if you leave it all out in your draft, well, what are you going to do? You know, like then, then you're then especially if, if you go to the point where you seek advice from somebody, you ask them what they're thinking. Well, there's nothing there for you to do. Like, what well, boy, what, what? And then, then that's where you get all those stupid questions you get in workshop. Well, well, how old is the character? Where is he from? You know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Why doesn't he like spaghetti? <laughs> I don't like spaghetti. Well, you know, like you, they got to yeah. set that up because who doesn't like spaghetti? I don't like Who doesn't spaghetti. like pizza? Oh, shit. Seriously. I can't eat pasta. It's like chewing cement. Mom, cook it first. <laughs> there, there's some advice. There's some <laughs> cooking advice. I love it. There's some advice. <laughs> Don't just eat it out of the box. <laughs> yeah, Dipping in a jar of ragu. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I was thinking that... Uh, I like the, okay. I can get into that. The idea that yeah, go ahead and write more. Just write more. But I'm thinking the 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 biggest problem with most people's manuscripts is they've written too much. They've got too many words. So you got to take well, it. That's, that's that's different from detail. Writing yeah. writing, a, writing a bad sentence, which full of prepositions, and you know, as one would you know, with not using actives active verbs. You know, he walks into the room or he traipses traips across the cow patty over mounds of shit to reach the lake. You know what I mean? Some shit like that. No, but I think that's good, man. <laughs> it's co concrete yeah. nouns is yeah. one thing you taught. Verbs. Yeah. I think yeah. it's overdone sometimes. I don't think you should, yeah. you know, I think the passive voice has its place. I don't also, I think the subject complement has its place when you, you know. What's that? The sky, the sky is, you know, Blue. a, a pile of shit over my head if we're on mm -hmm. shit oh, that, that would be the predicate nominative because the pilot so right right jen oh you lo i love the predicate nominative. wait and, and then would the active voice be the sky is shitting on my head no there's there no you. active no, voice in there's it no, in that kind there's of no, sentence yeah there's no active voice in that kind of sentence oh the no, act linking no. verb yep it's all it is <laughs> see what we learned in graduate school rick copular <laughs> when i first said copular i was like copulate you thought it it's was going to be a better word. Right? How, how do verbs copulate? Well, you know, <laughs> late at night, you know. Well, you know, you know, that's also the root of the word, uh, the word conjugate. I was going to say that. Conjugal yep. relations. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, between subjects and verbs. That's right. Yep. So that's the advice. I always write about sex. Oh man, so like well, Rick, we gotta we gotta circle back to this that everything should be less, you know. Like I get where you're coming from. You're like you you want that you want like there shouldn't be a wasted piece of, of anything in what you write. <laughs> right. And you you hold forth for this, you know? I do. But the thing is, is if if somebody writes a manuscript that doesn't have enough for you to say that it's too much, right? Then you have nothing to pare back down. I, I think always like too much. Like if, if you're a writer as a teacher, you see a writer and there's too much. You go, oh, I can, I can, I can knock a bunch of stuff out, show them where not to do things, and you got something. Right, right. If you're yeah. writing a magazine article, you know, which is often on a real tight word limit, like 400, 500, you know, 750 words, something like that. Yeah. Always give them an extra hundred. You know, just, just, just throw it in for free. Yeah. You know, because that that gives the editor a chance to work with your work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But you know, it's it's not hard and fast. Give them something to knock off. If you come in, if it's five hundred words and you come in with four hundred, yeah. uh, you know, you know I good. think I, I hear your point. I think it's way easier to subtract than to add. You know, oh yeah, because you write oh, your yeah. story and then you say, well, we don't have enough about this character. So right. then you go in with your conscious mind and try and add shit, and it's just like, yeah, it's just like laying icing on. It doesn't really come from character or pertain so yeah i hear you get it the first time get all all the extra shit yeah you know i think of this more as a teacher you know and as, as a practicing journalist or something like that you know that that's that's the general method that's success that's the only reason that sometimes i bristle at the idea that it's got to be things have to be economical i think i think what a lot of it comes down to is what level you're on as a writer you know, there's a certain point in your writing pre-career, your penultimate writing mm -hmm. career, right? where I think everybody makes the same mistakes and they have a lot of excessive words that don't form any function. Throwaway words? Yeah, throwaway well, yeah. words. And you know what? I, I was looking on one website and they referred to them as slacker words and phrases. Mm. Like, yeah. I mean, like, like you know, bent down to pick up his shoe? Yes, Right. When right. I, uh, he sat down, he stood up right. at all times, each and every, as yet, basically, essentially, totally, right. completely, absolutely, literally, actually, you know, all these things. That now, you, wait a second, though. Like, I, I know let's, people make a lot of fun of that, that literally thing. Like, literally, there's big jokes about that. Mm -hmm. So what's wrong with the adverb? You know, you could say, like, you know, in point of fact. Which one are you talking this happened. about? This happened. Let's take literally. If you okay. say, in point of fact, this man appeared at seven o'clock at night with a gun in his hand, and the decedent was in front of him, and he killed it. Right? So he literally had a gun in his hand. Right, but right. that's exactly the same. You're saying the same thing, but no. apparently we don't like literally. No, 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 no. It's that's that's a great because you've you've replaced three words with one word. But <laughs> <laughs> seriously, no, I, I'm saying you like it better. I give you more words. It sounds more dignified. No, know? no, no. He literally had a gun in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with it. I'm going with literally. You've sold me on literally. I think I think the thing is people misuse. That's a word that people misuse, and they use it right. as a filler word. Well, and, you know, you there's know. a great quote by Twain about uh, very. Very gets used all the time as a filler word. And right. you know, one of Mark Twain's best uh, pieces of advice on that is substitute damn every time you're inclined to write very. Your editor will delete it. And the writing will be just fine. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, you know, I, I think our president could possibly take a look at that. You know, he should read some Twain. Oh, very bigly. Because he says very like every sentence. Yeah. yeah. Very, very. Yeah. <clears throat> I think well, I, I have to make a distinction here with what, what Rick is saying, what I'm saying. I'm not saying overwrite. Mm -hmm. Bad writing. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I'm talking about to the point where, yeah, you have the skill and you're picking all the fluff out. And yep. in fact, it's quite, it's quite the opposite. When you begin to write strong sentences, you actually have more opportunities for 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 specific details, develop character, move plot forward, et cetera, et cetera, and, and scenes. Exactly. And when you take out these filler words, then you're left with needing to replace it with something specific Action. and detailed. Action. Or action or dialogue, yeah. which is action, of course. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the action picks up just when you get rid of the word. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, so if you're talking about writing advice, to me, this is like it's not even advice. It's just like 
it's something on the order of, you know, best practices. Don't, don't yeah, best practices. <laughs> don't don't put your hand in the saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's all the words now. Get rid of all this because everybody. I, I swear, everybody uses these filler words, and it's so easy to learn how to like, not to like, do. Look, Rick, I've been teaching for more than twenty years. You know, on a high level. You know, and I'm telling you that that the thing is, is everybody leaves it out. Like you read manuscripts over and over again. And the thing is, is like, you, you don't, you don't, where is this taking place? What do the people look like? Somebody shows up on a bicycle. You don't find out they got a bicycle till three pages later, you know? Right. Right. And so right. like, like, you know, the, that whole notion of like, don't use these wasted words. It's like, man, just like overdo the facts. Maybe that's maybe the thing that I'm that's looking for. Like, g- give me, give me the, the constituent elements of the world you're writing. Right. And, and and don't worry about so much about the language, you know, don't get hung up on whether you're using an L Y adverb. Don't be a lazy, don't be a lazy son of a bitch. If you're writing about your, tri- your tricycle, get off your ass, go up right. to the, go up to the attic, grab that fucking tricycle that you had up there for 30 years, bring it down and right. fucking describe it. I've got a, qu- I've got a question. So when you leave all this in, during revisions, do, does it stay in or does it get weeded no, out? I mean, when when you when you're revising, that's the thing. Is then you cut out all the. You're, you're talking about then give just let her let her go uh, both barrels when you're in the creating process, correct? Exactly. Yeah, but even when you're in this like submitting to your peers process, I think too much is a better thing. Because I yeah. think the notion that yeah, you've written too much, that you've been excessive, that you use words that you didn't use, I think that notion prevents people from actually getting at any material. Right. I mean, over yeah. and over and over again. I, I I mean, hundreds of times I've seen this in manuscripts. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, man, we got to keep it tight. We got to not, you know, it's got to be spare and, and lean and everything. And, well, right. you know, yes. End up, end <laughs> but up not, starving not while you're trying to find the, the thing. This is your novel. This is your memoir. This is your right. short story. This is the thing you want to bring out to the world. Like, let's hear it all. Barf it all up, man. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to get serious about it, you know, you can still have fun, but yet you got to take yourself fucking serious and you got to be serious about what you're having fun with. That's right. right. And make any right. sense. You know, but that's that's yeah. really the acme way if you think about it, you know. Like like we're laughing, we love this shit, you know, we love this shit. That that that's that's the thing that brought us together is because this is yeah. Yeah. To, to talk about books in this way, you know. But <clears throat> deep down, you know, it's the real deal for us. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean yeah. it's not a religion or whatever, but you know, like it's 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 something that you're really trying to do well and to think about well when you're reading or writing or anything like that you know but true that's right you know i also think that you can take that too far you can go it's got to be serious yeah you know then you take all the fun out you know and then every story is you know grandmother's dead on page eight it's uh i i always sometimes have to give this advice that uh it's harder to keep your characters alive than it is to kill them off yeah it is and uh, oh, you know, that's because they're so needy. <laughs> there you go. You gotta make no. <laughs> a shit for them to do and say. <laughs> well, I feed the fuckers. That's why you need to walk away from your desk every once in a while. But um, you know, it's uh, I, I, I see writers get into these problems where they they run into a roadblock in their writing, and one way to solve that roadblock is just to kill the the granny off or whoever it is that you know is causing problems. I like Rather that. than try and struggle with the the plot, you know, the, the legendary Harry Cruz who we revere and mention, and, and yeah. you know, I knew and Martello knew and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, he was famous for that. Oh, and what would happen is he would be in the in, he'd be writing a hell of a novel. His great novel, A Feast of Snakes, is a classic example of this. Mm-hmm. That novel was just getting going. It was a horrible mess, and and he had sunk down to a point, but something could have happened. After page 173. Yeah. But you know, Harry wanted to have a drink or whatever he wanted to do. And he said, fuck it. You know, yeah. let's bring yeah. let's, let's go down guns blazing, press <laughs> print, and then I can go get drunk for six weeks. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I I knew the man. That's exactly what it was, you know. <laughs> I think I think Flannery, Flannery O'Connor wrote the ultimate dead grandmother story, right? 
Oh, I know. Did Harry die? Yeah, yeah Harry's he, dead. He yeah. died a while back, didn't he? Yeah, well, maybe maybe three, four years ago. I, I, don't I really know. liked his earlier novels. Yeah, he was a great thing. He was he was very much in the Flannery O'Connor way. He he never really did something like like a good man is hard to find, I guess. But for his generation, a Southern writer who could, yeah. you know. Now I can't remember the Misfits' words when he when, after he shot the granny. You know, like that woman needed a bullet in her head in each and each. There's she, nothing wrong with that woman that to... couldn't be solved by shooting her every damn day. Something yeah, like that. She, shooting her in the head every day of her life. Or something <laughs> like that. Wow, that's a, that's another kind of advice. <laughs> yeah, I would say you know th this is a, my read that story. Fucking a man. Good man is hard to find, and Greenleaf is the other one that I I, I read that thing over and over and over again. I know that that you know, I, I shouldn't. I've had to stop actually in recent years when I'm writing because like what happens? You read this stuff and then you yeah. veer into flannery. It's in your subconscious, you know. It's in your subconscious. If you're gonna read while you're while you're uh, writing, you've got to read something that's totally, totally foreign to your way of writing. Right. That sounds well, like I read the old, I've been reading the old classics. Me too. A lot, mm -hmm. of, a lot of Poe, uh, mm. all that stuff. You know, I mean, and Dickens, that's so far away from where, you know, I don't want to read a modern novel right now. And, and that runs contrary to a lot of conventional advice, which says, you know, I've, I've heard writers say or post online say, well, I'm writing a novel about thus and so. So can you recommend other novels like that? Oh, yeah. You know? Ooh. I think that's a huge mistake. Well, that's a, that's a student mistake. You know, I, I just edited uh, somebody's memoir, you know, this person who just got their MFA and the, pulled their book together, you know, and is thinking like a student. And I talk, I talk with her about, you know, like what, what she wants to do with it. And, and, and everything had to do with, well, like, uh, how about this book, this memoir by this person, you know, a recent memoir, you know, like maybe I'll read this and this will help me write right. my book better you know and yeah. at some point man you know how to write <laughs> you have to like just say hey i can do this yeah you know i can write the sentences i can do dialogue i can do description and metaphor and all this stuff but like you can't look at models to try to ape does that make sense yeah. yes yeah. because because you you want to be something distinctive yeah. Like we've talked about this before a zillion times. How yeah. you want to be Led Zeppelin and not a heavy metal band. Right. Or whatever that version is. You've right. got now, the tools now. Mean, make your mark, you know? Yeah, you don't want to throw your models out, you know, the things that have inspired you or whatever like that, you know? But ultimately it's it's you alone. Yes. We, I, we talked about that once before on another yeah, podcast. Yeah. But uh, at some point you realize you've got to be able to you gotta have enough faith in yourself. And believe that you got the chops to do it alone. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't keep running to somebody after each chapter or whatever. You got to just have enough faith to set your ass down and do it. I learn something new about it all the time. I hear that. I think. Uh, well, we've probably <laughs> talked through the break, but I think we probably ought to take a break, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. good, man. Let's 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 ease down, take a little break, take a have a little drink. All right, and I guess uh, recharge and we'll be back yeah. after this Get a brief, brief yeah. message this is Siri on behalf of the Acme Writing Academy reminding you the listener that you are invited to send your comments criticisms and questions to the Acme mailbag at this easy to remember address Acme Writing Academy at gmail.com when Acme resumes next season, we will be reaching into the mailbag to give you possibly the chance to pose your question on the air to the members of the Academy. Once again, that's Acme Writing Academy at gmail.com. Acme Writing Academy, the Acme of Writing Academies. Acme Writing Academy at gmail.com. Are we back? Let's go. I'm here. Okay. You know what I think? I think though this is like last week when we were doing our imaginary rehearsal. Have you ever you ever been to that party that was like the best fucking party you've ever been to? 
Yeah. I can remember three or four of these, you know, and then, then you try to get the same team back together a few months later to have the same party and it's not the same party, you know? Yeah. Are you nah, raining on our, asleep, are you pissing you know? on our no, party? No, I'm just saying, you know, I, I remember when I was at the University of Florida, the party was at Paul Reyes's house, you know? Yeah, good old Paul. Yeah, who, who's now the, the editor of the Virginia Quarterly. And, uh, I mean, it was an epic part. He had a great party with like a custom kitchen. This house had a custom kitchen and all this kind of crap. And we got into an arm wrestling tournament. <laughs> and like that, the women in the MFA program were in an arm wrestling tournament. And, and it came down to uh, these two, Lee Evans and Carol Mara, like duked it out to the death, man. This, this arm, it lasted 10 minutes. You know, I mean, it was fucking serious. And like, <laughs> there was 40 people like, ah. You know, going mental. And, and finally, I can't even remember who went, but I knew that they were like, they, they hardly talked ever again the rest of their lives, you know. <laughs> you know I mean, no, that's a party, you know, like, holy fuck, that was great. So then, like, two months later, we got everybody together again. And it was like, nah, you know, everybody's holding okay. a napkin under their drink. They <laughs> <laughs> don't really care for the talking heads as much as everybody else does. <laughs> Mailbag. A little bit of dozing going on, you know. This is from Howard Jalika Kick. Menominee, Omni, Wisconsin. Saying, how come Magnuson talks so much? <laughs> no, that's not true. What he really says is, I want to be, I want to be invited to a party at Mike's house. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, who doesn't? It was a good time last summer. Pretty much everybody, right? <laughs> doesn't? <laughs> yeah, they don't want. Yeah, I don't want to come. They go to Mike's house. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. So I think uh, I'm looking at this Rorschach of a, uh, an outline. Okay. Back in. I've checked that off. Now I see an item that says Jim brings up the notion of how do we take advice? <laughs> dot, 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 dot. Is that an uh, ellipsis? I say you take it with Scott. <laughs> take it. With a good peaty scotch, by the way. Well, you know, you know, I've told this story before. My first, my first uh, encounter with my advisor at Pacific, you know, I'd sent him my manuscript, and he wrote back, and he said, "Well, Rick, this might be a good time for you to sit down and pour yourself a stiff one." Uh oh. Yeah. Uh -oh. And it's true. I cried inside. <laughs> oh. Inside. Gee. I'm crying right now. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, all, all my body fluids are draining out my <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you, I think you're taking that writer's smell thing way too serious. <laughs> I think that a lot of us, as we've sort of pointed out in past episodes, are the sort, when we were talking about, for instance, uh, plagiarism, a lot of us are not likely to plagiarize because we don't want to do exactly what anyone else ever did anyway. And I think when it comes to advice, we're sort of reluctant to take advice when it's offered us because who's this person giving me advice? What do they know? Mm. And I think, you know, uh, there's always that natural impulse, at least on my part, that when I'm told to do something, there's always a great desire to do just the opposite. Well, you know, listening to advice doesn't obligate you to take the advice right asking for advice isn't admitting to anything i don't think but you shouldn't ask for it didn't we cover this once you shouldn't ask i wouldn't ask for advice if uh you're not willing to take it otherwise what's the point because before you ask for the advice you don't know if it's going to be good advice or not did anyone mm -hmm. ask us for advice i think it was kind of implicit in a hoover's uh letter you know what though man i, I think like like, you know, I get what she's saying. Like, you know, it should be like writing when it comes to craft. Sure. Well, we talk about it. We talk about sentences. We talk about mm -hmm. language. We talk about the way dialogue is tagged and all this kind of stuff. Right. The thing is, that then the problem with being a writer is, is there is a whole set of technical machinations that we have to master. 
But at the same time, there's this kind of crazy lunatic world that we live in, that everybody lives in, that we're supposed to render clearly on the page. Mm-hmm. You know, and like like technique is one thing, but understanding the madness is an entirely other thing. There you go. And you have to be open to that at the same time. So like if you're discussing writing, you know, I don't I don't think it should be a bulleted point thing. And I think people who want to learn writing by having like, okay, here's 10 things you can do to become a writer. Never going to happen for them because the thing doesn't, our, our understanding of literature expands like a germ into a Petri dish instead of, you know, <laughs> walking down a sequential line. You know, like our lives, we know our lives are, we have narrative structure to our lives because mm-hmm. we're, we're born and we're going to die. But other than that, you know, think about what you think about during any given day. Do you remember when you were three? I bet you do. Do you you think of what happened a few years ago? I bet you do. You know, like these things are all there all the time. You know, a scent, a smell. The smell of other writers. The smell of other writers. You get a whiff Uh, of that. I think one good piece of advice I got a number of years ago was, you know, when you're writing, sometimes there's uh, technical knowledge that you need and you have to do some research. One of my friends always said, well, if, you know, you're not far from a university. Why don't you just call the guy up in the zoology department and ask him about that kind of fish and see which fish it is that's actually the one that you need to, to have in that piece. And, you know, I think sometimes as writers, we spend a lot of time trying to just locate things on our own without taking advantage of just giving someone a call and talking to them about stuff. You know what happens then is you're reading this story all of a sudden, here's this whole paragraph about a fish because you know, the writer because the writer whales. has researched all of this, right? right. And so it's like, yeah. damn it, I researched all this. I'm putting it in the fucking story. Trim all that stuff out. Well, no, I, I, you know, somebody some told me best. once they said, "Don't when you're drafting, don't research. Wait till the oh. wait till afterwards mm. to research." Oh, Wrong? I just don't think that's true. You don't I think, think that's like true? The, yeah. The, the yeah, I don't know. The writing is this kind of obsessive compulsive on all levels. Whatever you're writing about, man, and like, and all the research thing, we got Google, you can look anything up. You right. know? I work just with about. memoir writers all the time. They can't remember what the weather was like on this day this tragedy happened to them in 1973 or whatever. Look it up for crying and saying, you can get the You can get the wind speed, the humidity. You can get all of it. Bam. On the, the other clock, hand, clock, if you're stuck trying to advance your narrative and and you think, well, yeah. I can't really push it forward. Well, let me look up the wind speed in No, right. Well, that, that's know. true. That's a delay tactic. But like like in general, the 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 writer should, this is advice, the writer should be exploring all things at once. I agree. Endlessly curious about anything. I don't understand this. I want to learn what it is. Yeah. You know? And, and then you and, have a great conversation with someone sometimes, and that yeah. can and that can really unlock some of the uh, potential that you've been trying to accomplish on the page. Exactly. If that's for me, I'm not here. <laughs> I know. Remember those days? Yeah. No, it's at the bar. I'm not here. It's it's the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire calling to ask for money. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I paid them enough money for my degree. Remember, yeah. remember call Me holding too. or call waiting, right? You know, you'd 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 yeah. be talking to somebody on the phone. You get a beep. It means you got another call. You oh, say, yeah. "Wait, I'll be right yeah. back." There was a, a songwriter friend of mine, a collaborator, and we would talk. We had this was back in the day when people talked on the phone, and right. we had long conversations, or we'd try to, but this guy would always get calls coming in, right? So it was always interrupted. So I had a double phone line. So whenever I called him up, or we were talking, <laughs> I would then call him on my second line, right? And I'd hear him beep in, and he'd, go, and he'd go, oh, wait, I got another call. And he'd switch over, and I'd go, nope, still me. <laughs> wow, man, you're evil. <laughs> did, you, did you guys have uh, party lines when you were kids? My mom mm-hmm. did when she was a kid. Out of my grandparents' farm, we always used to listen yeah. in to all the other calls. They would have a certain number of rings, mm-hmm. and you know, theirs was two. And that's your we'd ring. Hear, yeah. yeah, we'd hear three rings, and you know, we knew that was the Murphys next door, and we'd always listen in on our phone calls. But I'm telling you, those those were probably the fucking dullest phone calls to listen into. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, the cow the cow needs to go to the vet. 
<laughs> and, and, and let me tell you, I wiretapped oh, television when I was in the army, and it, it that was boring as shit too. It's like it's like you sit in a coffee shop, and you I sit in a coffee shop, and I listen to people talking to each other, thinking, "Oh, here's dialogue." <laughs> but they're just going on and on about nothing. That's <laughs> yeah, coffee dialogue. Yeah, yeah. A warning to all: when you start seeking advice by submitting your work into workshops, maybe locally or an MFA program, or as undergrad, you would be getting a lot of stock answers and stock advice. It's almost like you know, it's like a you know, beginning in the middle. Yeah. Every story has a you know a beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Right. I, like I didn't fucking know that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and, and, then, and then apparently, well, you know, it has to render in a page. You render. Yeah, right. I got that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, well, okay. It's like the, it, you. It's like expect all these. You think they're originally intended for you? Right. There's just one on. But I think the cliche advice has to be. I think cliches are important when we're getting advice to a certain extent because we can recognize what we're being told quickly. Right. But I think we need to we need to start one piece of advice is to coming up our own with our own new cliches. Yeah. No, what I mean is it's like kind of I'm leaning towards a paradox. You know, I mean, you know, where do proverbs come from? The old fucking bullshit proverb and you the, from, right from Borges. <laughs> You know, you know, you know, you get these things. <laughs> Borges wrote the original proverb. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, you you get these cliches or proverbs or sayings that whoever's in command of the narrative or whoever's telling you, giving you the advice has control of the language over your work at that moment. Right. And you have to be aware of this shit. Just don't don't just go into, into things without thinking through it. Understand right. what you're writing. But any general principle is always going to be either cliche or it's going to be worn. It's going to be something you understand on the onset, and then you can examine its particulars. Exactly. Right. My father's advice to me on all things. Exactly. You no, know, was always, Mike, don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> For real. And then you know? I fucked it up. Right, and let me tell you, the thing is, is what he told me was, but you know, I I, I failed to examine the particulars. You know, so oh, you know, you know what, Mike, I, I was reading a quote from Harry Truman. He said, "The best way to give advice to your children is to find out what they want and advise them to do it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think that's know. another version of "Don't fuck it up." I don't know. I got some tattoo things with my children that that, that didn't work out the way I hoped. Oh well. <laughs> Hopefully the tattoos are on them the and not you. Be okay, you know, like oh, you just get a tattoo. <laughs> Sleeve, baby. My favorite piece of advice from my dad was. No amount of skill will ever replace dumb luck. That's right. I love that one. Yeah. That's a great one. Ain't that the truth? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'll oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like come when it comes to luck, I always say the harder I work, the luckier I get. Whoa. Whoa. There you go. There's some advice. That's, right. yeah. <laughs> well, that's not advice. That's memoir. <laughs> wow. That was very reflective. I didn't know that you were that kind of a rake. I'm not really usually that ruminative. <laughs> it's got rheumatism. Uh, <laughs> ruminative is. Don't chew your cud. <laughs> Don't chew your cud. Make sure you brush your teeth because you get pyorrhea and it's a disease. <laughs> <laughs> it is a room that I real. I I I, I asked you guys to spell that word. Pyorrhea? Yeah. Fuck with us all this long. No, no, no. Listen, yeah, it's pretty I'm, it's I'm it's pronounced exactly the way it's spelled. I'm telling you, my mom <laughs> there you go. I knew it. I knew it. Yes. Like Herman or something. Thank you for that. Herman. <laughs> I expect our listeners to be taking notes on this. Yeah, no shit. Or at least a hoover. Yeah. We're going to get a lot of letters on this one. <laughs> I gave him yeah. your address. Two letters. N-O. Telling us to stop. Please no. stop. We're, no. We're talking high literature here. <clears throat>
Who was the character in a Southern Gothic novel who at the end of the novel bought himself a new pair of teeth? A new what? A pair of skates? A set of teeth. teeth. Jimmy teeth. Stewart? No, as I lay dying. You sound like Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> right now, by Sean Connery's even worse. The, the Argentine Southern accent sounds like Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Thing is, you, you got to master the accents when you're crossing borders. That, that's how they figure out if you're Brazilian or Chilean, <laughs> or like when the the killings in Haiti. They would the Dominicans would ask ask the Haitians with a crossover in 1933 massacre, or was it 36 to say the word parsley, really? and and in Spanish it's pere, perejil, and if you speak French you can't say perejil you say perejil, uh, uh-huh. and, and they shoot you and throw you in a ditch. Oh, man. <laughs> they don't even ask you the World Series question? Well. What's your thought, Rick? Oh, I was just thinking about, about going back to the business about how listening to advice doesn't, doesn't oblo- obligate you to take the advice. Right. When I was in the music business, you know, you, know, you get notes – Whatever, if you're a writer, if you're a composer, right. whatever you're, you know, in a, in a collaborative, creative endeavor, you're going to get notes, and it's going to be notes from people that don't necessarily understand the uh, absolute madness of of the art world that you inhabit. But it doesn't mean people may not have the right reason for what's going on with you, what's wrong with your pages or whatever. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, I think you have to honor the discomfort that people might experience even though they can't articulate it. I'm thinking of a story when I was writing music for um, ABC in General Hospital, and they would give me a job assignment, say, well, we need five bad girl songs. And so I'd write songs and send them over to them, and they'd pay me for it. And so I sent them one song once, and uh, I was working as a consultant in Beijing at the time, so I had to... I sent them the song, and... Flew to Beijing, and the next day, all jet-lagged, I opened my computer, and I have two emails from them. And one is the from the music supervisor of General Hospital, and he says, love the song, but the guitars are too loud. And the other is from the music supervisor of ABC, and she says, basically, love the song, guitars are too soft. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, like, jet-lagged, reading these two notes. and And when I finally went back... I listened to the song and I realized there's something not right about the song. And so I just went in and I rebalanced. I brought the bass up. I tucked the vocal in. Who knows? I made a hundred little micro adjustments and then it was fine. And I don't think I ever touched the levels of the guitars. Right. Right. So the Mm. deal is they were right in their instincts that there was something wrong with the song, but they didn't know how to articulate what what it was. So it was my job as the artist to figure that out and to come up with the solution. Are, uh, is, do you think uh, crit- criticism and advice, are they the same? Yeah, you know, I thought about that, Bob. A criticism or notes, whatever, has an implicit thing that I'm advising you to change it. <laughs> right. I'm your right. client and I'm advising yeah. you to fix this. Yeah. You know, right Criticism right. and advice, two sides of the same coin, huh? Yeah, although the, the classic workshop scenario is that everybody in the workshop thinks there's something wrong with the story. And yeah. they all they narrow it down, they 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 beat it up, they run it through the meat grinder and everything. Right. <clears throat> and then the writer gets their chance to speak and it's like, well, you know, fuck you guys. This is what I I I I I've seen it a million times. You guys have too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, but like the the right thing to do, I I guess maybe because it's an awkward situation, the beating or whatever, but the right thing to do, according to what you're saying, Rick, is, okay, everybody's having a reaction. Maybe I ought to take a look at this. But that's that's the hard thing is, you know, people finish a piece and they say, there it is, it's done. You know, I'm I'm ready to go. It's it's good. It's good to go. I've worked hard on this. I don't want to, I don't want to work on this thing anymore. I've been working on it for two years. I'm done. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't you know? think anything's ever really finished, is it? No, it's not. Eventually, you know, 
you know, this is another thing. Is it old stuff that you've written and you look at it and go, oh fuck, I wish I'd have done this different here. I wish I'd have done this different. Yeah. yeah. I was thought I, 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 my first experience with listening, what well, people with advice in the educated world as, as a student, <laughs> like in the world I came from, the restaurant world, you're stupid to ask for advice. It's like if you stick your your ass outside the window, someone's gonna come by and kick it. <laughs> but then, then I, I was hanging out with all these uh, educated people who ex- were, felt that they were entitled f- and they, they deserved your advice. Yeah. Oh. It's yeah. like, look, my fucking world, man. The restaurant business. If the guy, if the waiter tells you the first day of your job, you're 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 a busboy, don't break the chef's balls when he's prepping. If if you're hungry, eat out of the garbage can. Yeah. Right. Well, the fucking busboy comes up to me, and my brother. And we're like, break my balls. Hey, chef, can I have a little bit of spaghetti? Hey, chef, can I have a real Parmesan? All right, we'll fix this. We'll fix this son of a bitch. I went and cut a piece of cardboard out of his out of his out of a uh, spaghetti carton, and I, and I and I soaked it in water, and I, then I took the meat hammer and, and, and beat it up like a veal cutlet. Then I then I dredged it in flour, eggs. And breadcrumbs. <laughs> I proceeded then to deep fry it, put our signature ragu sauce on it, <laughs> found the best fresh mozzarella because we used to date it. <laughs> I even drained the water out of it because this. I had, I had, the, the bet my brother and I had was that if he would finish the whole thing. <laughs> So he came back over again. Hey, chef, you got something to eat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch fucking cleaned the plate. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it cost me money. It cost I took a, money. It, it took a, a, a loaf of garlic bread to clean the fucking plate. <laughs> now you're, now you're going to tell us it became the weekly special. <laughs> You know, wait, wait, who, who the fuck am I to give you advice? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't it the truth? Oh, man. Oh, nothing, yeah, nothing to talk about. Advice. Oh. oh, I'm going to tell you too much, man. I'll stop. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> much. I want to do that to somebody's manuscript one day. Like, ter- make it the real Parmesan and make, make him eat it. <laughs> you mean make somebody eat their words? Literally. literally. That's right. Are you satisfied now with your yeah. work? It's like, oh, man, so many adverbs. It's... Oh. <laughs> so I'll tell you the worst advice I've ever gotten is you got to have it all in your first paragraph. That I mean, I took a writing course, and it's like we all sat there for weeks and worked on our first paragraph because it's all got to be there. You got so, so it's like in the first paragraph, the guy's got to insult his wife. She's got to drive out in a thunderstorm. She has to be in an accident, and then now he's guilty about it, and he's drunk, and he's waking up hungover, and da da da, and then you know, page two. So you so you got to uh, you got to pack everything into that first paragraph. Yep. In other words, put the sausage in the first paragraph. You know, I, you said that the other day about putting the word sausage in the first paragraph. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a story that has that. I got it. I looked at it and I said, I have this line. It goes, "His hip stiff from its night on the couch, nagged Joseph as he hefted boxes of ham hocks, and garlicky garlicky smelling rings." of kielbasa and blood sausage and position them in the curved glass display. No, blood That's sausage. Right. Blood Brutwurst. sausage, right? Blutwurst, yeah. Blutwurst. In, 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 in Argentines, uh, it's morcilla. <laughs> oh, you put the morcilla. <laughs> so, you know, I looked into some famous first sentences, first lines, mm-hmm. and seeing if we could maybe improve them by adding sausage to it. What do you think? <laughs> well, let's do it. Go for it. So, so what do you got, Marcello? You you look into this. Many years later, as he wait, wait, the- you know, wait, wait. Before I do this, let's just say, okay, we've got these famous first lines. Who can right. figure out what the line is? All right. 
God damn. So, you know what? what's sad is I just looked that one up because I was going to try to game the whole process. Yeah, fuck you. And I was. And I was like, I had it right on the screen many years later. <laughs> you're, you know, you're a cheater. You know, we, we have. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. We're starting to go way back there, Professor Chris. <laughs> it's a way back machine. Okay. What do you got, uh, Marcello? Let's try that again. <laughs> Many, many, many sausages later. Hey. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. Uh, <laughs> it's the it's got from a clean, well lighted sausage. Okay, let's try it again. Many, many blood sausages later. <laughs> As he faced the firing squad, Coronel Aureliano Buendia was to remember the distant afternoon when his father took him to discover sausage. <laughs> touching. We know who that is, right? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yeah. Hundred no years way. of solitude, Jim. What what do you got? I got something that's really pretty good, but I, I, I'm not going to affect any accent or anything like that. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Who Fire knows? Up. Who knows what that is? Uh, who knows uh, that first line anybody i know, I know it's not alan ginsburg <laughs> <laughs> you knew that i would know this anyway didn't you rick i did jane austen right yep pride and prejudice right mm -hmm. and what was what was the word replaced by sausage must be in one of a good woman wife wife yeah must be in one of a wife must be in one of yeah. a sausage okay mike mm -hmm. yeah you got one I got one. Wait. As Gregor Samsa woke one morning from uneasy dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into a giant sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Franz! Franz! Right. Jalamadon, it's Kafka! I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Melville. Oh, okay, I'm going to go with Melville. Okay. Name Hold the book. It. Call me a sausage. <laughs> no, just call me sausage. It's very Chicago. Good as that. Translate to Spanish. Call me chorizo. Call me call chorizo. Me chorizo. <laughs> oh, well, let me add mine to it. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> <laughs> And thus he brings Dickens. <laughs> the first times. There we are. Oh man. Oh, English mustard. So I guess to sum up, you know, we, we've we've given lots of advice. The last of which is that you can improve any opening sentence by adding sausage to it. Who could ask for more? Uva. Yeah. Uva, I, I hope you appreciate it. it. Yeah, dear Uva, we added sausage to our sentences. <laughs> We and we advise you to do the same. <laughs> My baloney has a first name. His name was His name My was has a second name. It's M A Y. We know Bob knows the rest of the song. <laughs> I do. You won't say it in public. You won't do it. You won't do it. <laughs> won't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, this has clearly gone on long enough. It's time to bid a fond farewell to Acme Writing Academy Season 1. We hope you enjoyed tonight's sausage party and hope you'll rejoin us when Acme resumes in the unforeseeable future. 
Meanwhile, I'd like to thank the members of the Academy, Mike Magnuson, Marcello Vasquez, Bob Clark and Jim Frank, as well as this season's guests, Michelle Bombardier, Kate Kennedy, Joe Millar, Ronit Plank, Nathan Bell, Margaret McMullen, John McNally, and Anita Gill. Acme is produced by Mike Magnuson and yours truly, Rick Crisman, and beamed out of Acme Broadcast Headquarters in Venice Beach, California, with underscore provided by Chrismanic Music. So until we meet again, we wish you safe travels and happy writing. Is it a Wisconsin, a Wisconsin shoe company? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs>